Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of An Evolved Review. I am your host, James Caleb Kitchens, and I am joined each and every week by none other than straight from the SWN, the man who watches more wrestling content than anyone in the known multiverse, Caleb Stovall. Welcome back to the show. Hey, what's going on, man? And, and you know what? I not only am representing wrestling, obviously, as always, but, dude, I got to represent them because tonight as we record this, I saw them, the Bravos, the Atlanta Braves. Yes, uh, the new stadium. I got to make it over there and check it out. It's like 10 minutes from my house. Yes. Uh, awesome. So I, it, I really got to make it over there for a game. Yeah, the people that live in the Atlanta area, or if you just live in Georgia in general, man, uh, I encourage everyone to get out and go to the new uh, stadium. Truist Park uh, is what it's called. Um, is really nice. Um the traffic flowed a lot better, which is kind of what the uh, problem was with the old stadium or something like that. Or that was something that had become the problem or something like that. There was a bunch of things, but it's 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 an awesome experience. And it's an even better experience when the home team pulls out the victory four to nothing over the St. Louis Cardinals. And you want to know what's funny about that? There was uh, the, the first home run of the game from the Braves, right? It came from a guy who I didn't even know his name. Like when he got up to bat and they said his name, I was like, I was like, who is this? And I was just like, okay, well, I have no idea who this is. And then he hits the home run and it's like, okay, now I know who he is. <laughs> yeah. And, and the guy who hits the home run, uh, the only home run of the game is the guy I least expected. But the main hitters did pull off. Uh, some awesome hits like Freddie Freeman and Acuna and Albies. They all showed up, man. And the pitcher, Charlie Morton, amazing. Like, amazing night. Four to nothing. That's fantastic. Uh, and that whole area over there around Truist Park, too, the battery is just so cool. Yes. Um, there's, like, a million things to do. There's cool places to eat. I mean, it's just – it's a really awesome experience that they built over there. Yes, uh, it is very true to Atlanta and like the cool shit you can do in Atlanta. Yes, um, so I highly recommend it, and uh, it's a great way also if you're visiting Atlanta to experience it without having to go downtown and deal with all oh, that traffic. Yeah. And uh, you know, as I was there tonight, because we were talking about it before you went on the air, or or we went on the air, and uh, you said, you know. I, well, how many St. Louis Cardinal fans are there there? Are there here in um, in uh, Atlanta? And I said, well, you'd be surprised how many people travel for their sports team. So, and there were there were a good many St. Louis Cardinal fans. Although by the seventh inning, they were done. <laughs> they they left. Yeah, I got I got to tell you uh, that you know that it is a pretty spectacular kind of like phenomenon you know, that that many people travel. I, th I think I'm going to go see the Braves when they play the Padres, actually, because I like the Padres. Um, and so, yeah, I think that'll be good. So I think I'm going to go to one of those games. Yeah, dude. So. Um, and, uh, hey, I'll go with you because I love going to sports games. I That's one of the reasons I fell in love with professional wrestling because I love those. That's not something you can create, kind of thing like 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 that's not something you can script yes wrestling is you know whatever scripted or whatnot but still the live experience you know when you see something live it changes things right 
and you know that would be a cool thing. We could maybe we could do a little special feature uh, on it, like when we went to the uh, Booker T premiere. That would be fun. Oh, that'd be amazing. Um, that being said, folks, uh, the main event tonight. Um, thankfully, he's not a main event anywhere uh, other than right here. Uh, will be the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i so i'm gonna go ahead and tell you like other than the owen hart episode we're usually pretty excited for these um we have been putting this one off for like three weeks um <laughs> and it's not that it's not that it's not interesting it, it is interesting material i really enjoyed the dark side of the ring episode i did not enjoy the wwe biography uh, I'm not going to call them A&E Biography anymore because they are very clearly just WWE products that are aired on A&E, uh, which makes me more furious because it's like, okay, this is clearly purely a WWE-dictated production, yep. right? When we saw the Booker T episode, we thought maybe it wasn't going to go that way because that one doesn't feel like they put it out, but... <laughs> All of the other ones pretty much do. Maybe the Piper one, you could see that. Maybe, like, I, I could believe if I just saw that on its own. But as these have gone forward, it's very clear that WWE has their fingers all over them. And so it's like, if you were going to make these, just fucking put them on the network so that I didn't have to go all out of my way to try to see them on A&E. Especially when they just launched uh, another... Um docu-series the icon series you know that has rob van dam and yoko zuna and lex luger right yeah it's it's madness uh i we'll, we'll get into it um before we get into the main event so and and just to be clear we said we were going to do this we are going to combine the two so uh we're going to talk about the dark side of the ring episode we're going to talk about the a and e wwe biography um for Ultimate Warrior. Now, uh, I also want to mention, last week, we had our good friend Myron on from the Tapped Out Wrestling Podcast. We covered the Grizzly Smith episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Um, I am incredibly proud of that episode. I think it's one of the best episodes we've ever done, despite the absolutely like horrific material that it's based on. Um, so, if you, if you could watch the Grizzly Smith Dark Side of the Ring... Uh, then definitely check out our episode. Uh, if you couldn't make it through that episode, don't you know? Trigger warning: do not, don't don't check out the episode that we did either because we talk about all the same stuff. Uh, it was tough. It was yeah. hard to get through, but I'm really proud of that episode. It was, but in in as much as it was, uh, you know, hard to get through. Um, and I've never experienced any of that. Obviously, I couldn't even begin to imagine. Uh, it, but like, you know, I, I still kind of struggle with the fact of like, is it wrong of me to say though, that like, I still watch that episode over because it's so good. Like right. it, it's so well done. Like it, it is, it's just, it's so well told that like, even how bad the story is like it, it, it just is that good. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you remember from uh, Viral Pro, uh, you remember when Samantha Starr was there? Yes. Yeah, so I did not know this until pretty recently, actually. She is Baby Doll's daughter. What? Yeah. 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 That's small, insane. Yeah, small world, right? Holy small world. shit. And, and as soon as I heard that, I was like, I could totally see it. That's you know? crazy. 
Right. Yeah. Madness. Holy uh, crap. That's crazy. Speaking of things that are crazy, before we get into Ultimate Warrior, um, so uh, two two little bits of a uh, AEW news uh, that I wanted to talk about. So first and foremost, uh, he's got to show off the hat. Uh, <laughs> he's got to show off the useless gimmick. <laughs> Shout out to Ace over at Superhero Homies. Uh, uh, that being said, uh, so two things. Uh, first and foremost, they have the new replica title belt. Uh, they're going to sell replicas of the AEW World title for six ninety nine ninety nine. What? What? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, okay. I'm not a fan of the AEW World Championship. I I like the um, I like the TNT Championship. I'm not a fan of the uh, the World Title, but even if I was a fan of it, I oh. would not be paying seven hundred dollars for that shit. What's wrong with it? Not 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 the seven hundred dollar shit, but just the title itself. I just I just think it looks gaudy. Like it looks oh. like uh, it's kind of like the. Uh, you know when they had the the WWE title had the had all the big the big W with all the fucking diamonds and shit like like the Cena belt. Oh, okay. And, okay. and then when Triple H won it and Randy Orton, they just made it the same title, but it didn't spin. Yeah. I just I hated that belt, dude. It it was so gaudy and like I just I didn't like it, and I don't like the AEW title for the same reason. Well, what's been more like? Uh, here's a question I've always had for you since we're talking about belts. What's your favorite uh, belt design from any company? Like, uh, I, I mean, I'm insanely partial to the Viral Pro Wrestling Championship. Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> but but you got it. I mean, you got to admit, even, you got to admit though. But even if I didn't work there, that's a nice looking title. It is, and I really like the tag titles as well that, that we have. Yeah, and I mean, the new Outbreak Championship that Josh just unveiled, you probably haven't seen it yet, but it looks oh, amazing. I so I need to see that. But, um, but yeah, I, no, no, no we, we do have some awesome belts, but for the sake of, you know. <laughs> yeah. I like the Ring of Honor Pure title um, hey, a lot. I like the, the Southern Honor uh, Heavyweight Championship. I really like that one. Um. Any any time, so I think, I think a, a purely black strap is hard. Like I think I think a black strap is hard to pull off unless the title just looks amazing, right? Yeah. I, I really like a belt with like the white stripe or like the red on the inside. You know, maybe it's black on the outside, red on the inside. The the those sort of belts I really like. I would like to say that I like a red strap. But mm -hmm. the universal title just completely ruined that shit. Um, <laughs> I don't think I don't really like any of the WWE belts, to be honest. Well, I don't, I don't like any of their current belts or anything. But can I be honest? Probably my favorite belt, though, of all time, is is the most simple belt of all. Is it's just the WCW World Title belt? Yeah, that because when you won that, it looked like you actually won like eight like legit title that's the only title i have a replica of it's up in my room right now i i have the wcw championship and that that is not to be confused with the world heavyweight title because no. they're not they're not the same belt because no. the wcw championship is flat yep the world heavyweight championship is curved and yep. they're they're not the same belt and the the curve one looks okay i liked it that's this is the belt that uh 
Well, so I, I want to say when Triple H held it, like for his long reign, yep. it was still flat. Yep. It was it, still the WCW title. They it, changed it, it after that. Started, it started like like when they brought it back and they gave it to Triple H. Um, he right. had it for a while, but then like he switched to it or something. I, I don't remember like exactly when they did the switch or anything, but I do know that like like he had it uh uh, when he was in the chamber the first time, and uh, Shawn Michaels held it. Was it when Benoit won it that they changed it after he lost it? I think that's it. Actually, I, th- I think they changed it when he won it. Really? Okay, so when he won it at Mania, it was still flat, and then when he came out on Raw the next night, it would have been the curved one, probably. I think maybe Th- we can Google this. We can. We we can talk about this off air. Yeah. This is interesting stuff, but the flat one looks immensely better. Yeah. I love I love the big gold belt, um, and I know I was just talking about gaudy championships, but the big gold belt looks. I mean, Ric Flair held it. You know what I mean? It's that title to me is so like significant and meaningful, and it looks like you're the world champion. Um, well, I also I, like the NWA title. Yep, I like the NWA title. I like the. Um, I also am a big fan of the Winged Eagle title. I think everybody likes the Winged Eagle belt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I loved the Universal Championship. Not Universal. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> not Universal. The Undisputed title. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I I liked that one. Um, I yeah. thought that they should never have gotten rid of that one. Yeah. Not the while. Universal title. The Universal title was ass. Yeah. I was about to say. The Undisputed Championship looked incredible. I really loved Jericho when he had both of the belts, right? But then when they combined it and they did the Undisputed title, that shit was great. Um, And uh, that's what the Flatline title was based off of, was the uh, Undisputed Championship. Yep, yep. I remember um, exactly. I liked... uh, um, Oh, I was... Oh, I lost which belt I was going to say. Um... I don't know. Oh, I liked both United States titles. Like I liked when they brought it back the first time when Eddie Guerrero won it in WWE. Yeah. Like when it was just all the American flag all over the title. I like that. And then I like WCW's United States title. Yeah. And, and honestly, man, um, I, I liked WWE's U S title when they first (laughs) brought it out. Like yeah. right, right before Cena won it, right, and yeah. then I did not mind the the U.S. title spinner belt. Really, I did not mind it. No, because because it was like it was like you know like Austin with the Smoking Skull title. It was like it was specific to Cena and it fit him. But then when they decided they were going to do it with the world title too, that one just looked terrible. <coughs> are you, you going to live? Yeah, I know. I just uh, swallowed that wrong. <laughs> Gotcha. Oh, well, that didn't sound right either. You know what? Just move on. If you're not watching this on video, use your imagination, folks. <laughs> um, so that's one thing. Uh, the other little piece of AEW news, we got a little glimpse of the uh, AEW video game. Yes. Uh, and, and, and let me say that I know that I am not the most enthusiastic person about AEW. I, I don't even really consider myself a fan of their product. However... If anybody's going to make a good video game today, I think it's definitely Ukes because Ukes has made all of the best video games ever, basically, uh, for for wrestling. And then I also think it's going to be AEW because 
most of their matches look like people are playing a video game anyway. So here we are. I I, I think the footage looks incredible. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a lot, but yeah, I I saw some of it. I saw what Darby Allen looked like, um, and he looked spot on. What I really noticed was like the ring and the set and the crowd. They all that stuff looked better than it's ever looked in a video game. Mm. And and so that's that gives me a lot of hope for the title. I, Ukes knows how to make a wrestling game. They've said that their heavy influences for the game are Here Comes the Pain Ooh. and No Mercy. Uh. <laughs> and <laughs> I know a lot of people that love wrestling video games, and I would say that out of everybody I've I talked to, if you ask them what their favorite wrestling video game is, they're going to give you one or both of those answers. Yeah. Or uh, several others. Yeah, I mean, I, dude, I've played so many wrestling video games. I mean, oh. I think the first one I played, other than like uh, the old WWF, like WrestleMania, you know, like the arcade game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I played that one, but, you know, I played like the WCW Nitro game on like PlayStation yeah. 1, the Thunder game, which was better than the Nitro game. <laughs> um what they did it? What they did? Didn't they do like a WCW may- mayhem? Oh, WCW yeah, mayhem. Mayhem, but mayhem was for all the systems. Yeah, and it was based on what the two thousand, like WCW two thousand. <laughs> uh, actually, more ninety nine. Yeah, that's way better. Yeah, um, but uh, dude, I remember my two favorite. These will forever be my favorite wrestling video games. Actually, three. Three. I'll, I'll be honest. Three of them. WCW NWO World Tour. Yep. WCW NWO Revenge. Those are both on 64, right? Yep. And uh, WrestleMania 2000 is what it was called. Yep. WWE. Uh- I I gotta say, man, I, I thought that No Mercy was better. Like No Mercy to me was just like more an advanced version of Revenge, but obviously it was a WWF yeah. game instead of a WCW game. So, like, well, WrestleMania 2000 was uh, the exact same way. Yeah, agreed. But um, uh, No Mercy was had more people. Like that had more options. Yeah. I, I can remember I got into wrestling games pretty heavy on in those days, but when I really got into them was on PlayStation when the like SmackDown games started coming out. Yeah, and, and like I remember SmackDown two. Me and a friend of mine played that. So there was a thing to like unlock all the content in the game. You had to play through ten years of the storyline, and there was no option to skip a show. So, like, you had to play Raw, uh, freaking SmackDown, pay-per-view. So, you had to do two matches a week, sometimes three. Yeah. And, and you had to do that for 10 years. <laughs> and uh, and we did it, man. Me and a friend of mine did it. Uh, it took us, like, I, I think we played it for, for, like, a whole summer, basically. Just, like, nonstop played it uh, <laughs> to get everything. And, yeah. we, and at the time, we thought that was like the most crazy thing ever. And then SmackDown 3 was okay. That They were kind of like in the process 
of like trying to make the next like level at that point. And those games are always kind of wonky. And then yeah. there was like I think SmackDown Four was Shut Your Mouth. I think I don't remember exactly. But five was Here Comes the Pain. Yeah. And that one to me was like the pinnacle of wrestling games. I, I liked a lot of the stuff they introduced later on, like when they did the first Raw versus SmackDown or uh, I think it's Raw versus SmackDown 2006 is really, really good. After that though, it, it was like they, they started going downhill every year because they're, they're linked in now with 2k. Yep. Uh, they linked in with 2k and they, tr they started trying to make it, more of a simulation of wrestling yeah. than a wrestling game where you're fighting the other person. Yeah. It was like, I don't want to, I like, all right, I think it, it would be cool if you had like a game mode where you're like trying to have like a five star match or whatever, but I don't want that to be what dictates me playing the game. Like if I want to wrestle someone, I want to play the play it as like, it's a fighting game. Like I want to fight and beat the other person. I don't want to put on a great match with them. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we did with the old video games. Yeah. Now, one thing I do like about the modern games, though, and this is something that AEW is messing around with, is and, and something that Eric Bischoff actually was trying to pitch in the WCW era, but it was like way ahead of its time, was where you're basically running, you can run a wrestling company. Yeah. And, and you can be a promoter and book your own shows and stuff like that mode obviously interests me greatly. Um, and I, I think that's fantastic. So I'm hoping maybe this AEW game has something like that, but that I'm is something that the WWF or WWE now game started to do over time was they did where you could make your own arenas and your own finishers and your own titles and like all that stuff's cool. But like if the actual gameplay you know, it's not fun. Then none of that shit matters. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I agree. What about outside wrestling video games? Like, like, did you ever get to play like Fire Pro Wrestling? I never played Fire Pro, but I did play. Um, I did play Raw Two on the Xbox. Okay, and, and this was not made by Ukes. It was made by. Um, uh, they they went out of business. Uh, let me look it up real quick. I played Raw on uh, on Xbox. It was terrible. No, I I loved it, but it was terrible. Really? It was by THQ. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So it was terrible, but I also loved it. And here's what I loved about it is okay. you could play co op through the storyline. So like you and two or three other friends could all create a wrestler, and then you could all play the storyline together. Yeah. And, and that was awesome. Now. It was dumb. Like <laughs> the the actual gameplay was a mess. What's really funny is uh, I made uh, Booker Wee on there, <laughs> right? And and I made him as small as you could possibly make him. And so it was it was Booker T, and I shrunk him down to be like two feet tall. <laughs> and the game it broke the game. Like the other wrestlers, he was too small, and they couldn't pick him up. Like they couldn't grapple him. <laughs> And it was so funny, man, because you'd have, like, the big show, and I would hit Booker T's finisher, you know, where he does the scissor kick? Yeah. And so Big Show would, like, lean over, and, like, my guy actually floated, like, this high off the ground because he was so <laughs> small. 
And he would come up and, and do the little scissor kick with his legs, and Big Show would just <laughs> flop over like like Booker T really hit him with it. <laughs> and then my little two foot tall guy would pin him. And uh, tremendous. Yeah, uh, it was it was fun for what it was. Uh, but I did play the backyard wrestling games. Oh, how'd you like those? Those were great. I mean, I had a lot of fun with them. Uh, Def, the Def Jam games were inspired by wrestling games. I like those Def Jam games. Uh, I didn't like, I think it was the second one, but the first one, oh my God, that was brilliant. I love that. Like, I was just like, I wish they would bring that back today. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So I, I can't wait to see what happens with uh, the AEW game. And hopefully it will like kind of, bring a resurgence in wrestling video games because it's kind of died off. Well, you know, uh, a company that was on a roll, sort of like AEW is right now, um, tried to do the same thing. It didn't go so well for them. Talk about TNA, Impact. What did you think of that video game? So I thought that the Impact video game should have just been a bunch of indie worker corpses on the cover with Jeff Jarrett standing on top. <laughs> um because that's how TNA was going at the time. Yeah, the TNA game was bad. Um, but once again, they didn't have an experienced wrestling game developer making that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it could go either way. I, I think this AEW game could be atrocious, but I think it also think it could be really good. I, I, I think so, especially when, uh, you know, I know when I say this name, you're going to make a face or something like that, but he is helping with the video game. Kenny Omega, he is helping with the video game. And let's be honest, he knows his video games. I mean, I'll give him that. So he can he can actually probably help it uh, be pretty good. I wonder if you'll be able to play in an um, exploding barbed wire match on it. <laughs> and then the ring posters just sparklers. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Man, poor poor Kenny. I'm one of the few people that understood his Undertale entrance, and I don't like him. <laughs> I'm like one of the 17 people on the planet that got that, uh, and and I don't, and I still don't like him. <laughs> well, I mean, I like AEW. Of course, then again, I I guess I'm the opposite of everyone right now. I just I like anything but WWE. Well, I you know I I like AEW better than WWE, yeah. other than NXT. I just don't I don't really right now I don't watch any of it unless it's something that we're gonna review on here. Uh, but it, mainly because I just don't have time, right? Um, yeah, I mean same here. But I also just I don't like a lot of their modern product right now. Yeah. And you know, honest to God, it's probably just because of the COVID era. I, just, yeah. I didn't like anything about wrestling during the COVID era. But yeah. now everything is opening back up. They're starting to go back on the road. So I think I think everybody's product is going to improve. Yeah. There was a couple of people uh, last weekend, uh, I, me and a couple of wrestlers are all sitting around talking about the uh, excellent Jay Lethal and Tracy Williams match and i was like that's that's match of the year of 2020 i don't give a shit what anyone says yeah. and if you don't believe me go watch that shit and then disagree with me and i guarantee you you won't um well that might be the last talk about a great match we have on this episode so let's go ahead <laughs> let's let's go ahead and get into the main event about that. <laughs> the main event um all right well, so well, you're not gonna do your uh well, you're not gonna do the brett wolverton 
<laughs> no, and I do, I do have a timer down here, but I um I got back in from playing Pokemon Go for about two hours right uh, as we started this, so I do not have the the lung capacity right now for that. <laughs> so uh, I did I did I did catch a few a few good ones out there, and and every so every night I go and take over all the Pokemon gyms in my apartment complex. Uh, there's like three in here, and like during the day, people will like fight my Pokemon all day and then they put their shitty Pokemon in there and then I go in there and kill them and take the gems back over every night. Oh, shit. I'm doing a service to the community, man. All right. Well, you know, the Pokemon, um, usually like I I couldn't, I could never get into Pokemon just cause like, you know, all of the animals just said, you know, bunch of nonsense over again. And speaking of which, Speaking of a speaking of a bunch of nonsense that only children could like, um, <laughs> Jim Hellwig, ladies and gentlemen. So <laughs> WWE put out the hit piece in what two thousand seven, maybe. I uh, might have been even before that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people got their opinions about Ultimate Warrior from the hit piece. But as we've kind of found out, the hit piece kind of went easy on him. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring said they're going to do Ultimate Warrior. And when WWE found out about Dark Side of the Ring's episode, they actually moved their Ultimate Warrior episode up so that it would air first. Um, uh, that's just, oh my God, that's just so fucking ridiculous. It's not even funny. But it's very very Vince. Yeah. Uh, and so, so we decided we did not want to talk about him twice. So we're <laughs> going to talk about him on this episode. Um, the A&E piece is a puff piece, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is revisionist. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it is the definition of revisionist, right? Um, yeah. I, I mean, if you look at it, uh, you, you know, you, we have his first wife in the first episode, um, and then we have his second wife in the second episode, and I just don't. It, it is embarrassing how dishonest the A and E biography is. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's tough. But I, I mean, it's, it is definitely a, a puff piece, uh, and you know, regardless of of you know how you want to look at it, the dark side of the ring episode still went easy on him, even though it's considerably more accurate. Yeah, the only one that didn't go easy on him was Jr. Yeah, I mean, well, Jr. and and you know, Cornette. Well, yeah, Cornette, and he's to be expected. But Jr. like, I kind of thought was, I, I thought he could be a little too harsh. And I, I think he's kind of harsh when he talks about him on his podcast sometimes. But that's just my opinion. I mean, you know, he actually worked with him. Yeah, I mean, when you have both Jim Ross and Jim Cornette saying you're the worst performer they ever saw. Yeah. That's rough. I mean, Jim Ross is not not the type of person to be, 
you know, just just negative about somebody just because, right? Jim Ross gave his honest opinion. He said the Ultimate Warrior was less talented than any wrestler he had ever seen. Yeah, when he opened it up that way, I went, ooh. (laughs) Um, So, let's talk about the Dark Side of the Ring episode. Okay. So, they... Both, you know, both episodes kind of talk about how he got into the business. He broke into the business with Sting. Yeah. And the two of them could not be any more different. That's, that's, dude, that is so weird of, of for me to think about because you, you know me. Sting is my favorite of all time. Okay. Right. I, and, and look, I know that there's better in ring performers, there's better promo people. I get it. I don't give a shit. My favorite wrestler of all time is Sting. Nobody else. That's it. End of story. I like I love everything about wrestling, but he is my favorite. And knowing that he was like, I never knew that he was tag partners with Ultimate Warrior. Now I, I obviously knew that, but way before these pieces, you know, came out or anything like that. But I, but when I had heard about that originally, I was like, "Wait, what? They were tag partners, and they did tag with each other in WCW in '98 one time." And yeah. I'll be honest, even though the match probably wasn't that great, it was awesome because it was them versus Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> that was a nitro. I bet it was. I bet that was a nitro. That was a that was a Monday night nitro. And I watched that. Oh dude, like I don't even care what they say about the match. That was it was just amazing. <laughs> it probably was something to see. Um it was. So him and Sting break into the CWA, Continental Wrestling Association, as the Freedom Fighters. Yeah. And I can guarantee you those matches were ass. Yes, and before we go any further, something that uh, we forgot to mention. Yes, they are completely opposite, but here's one thing that they shared in common. Neither one of them were wrestling fans when they first started. Yeah, They did not watch it on Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings or even watch it on TV, period. They didn't even, like, Sting, you know, Hulk Hogan would come into his gym in California and he and people would go, do you know who that is? He was like, no. He didn't know who Hulk Hogan was, the biggest draw, one of the biggest draws in history. And he didn't know who he was. And then, you know, he obviously needed money. They wanted to go into bodybuilding and stuff like that, which we're going to really get into. But, you know, neither one of them were wrestling fans. Think right. about that. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like in the A and E piece, they tried to swing it like he liked wrestling. Yeah, and that pissed me off. Yeah, and I was like, this motherfucker didn't like no wrestling. Like, no. like this is the first time I've heard of this nonsense. Yeah. Um. So him and Sting end up going to become the Blade Runners, which is supposed to be a parody of like the Road Warriors in the UWF. And yes. one thing I want to clarify is this is the Bill Watts UWF. It is not the Herb Abrams UWF. That's so confusing, too, well, because how, how how are they able to use – no one answered that. Yeah, People... so I, I have the answer. I'm Here I am. I'm right okay. here. This is an evolved review, folks. 
Awesome. So, so Bill Watts actually failed to copyright the Universal Wrestling Federation name because okay. because he this was like a spinoff of his territory. He was it was kind of like a revamp, right? So Bill Watts didn't copyright it. Therefore, Herb Abrams came in and just swooped it up because it already had some notoriety to it. Okay. And that was part of the con of Bill of uh of Herb Abrams is he wanted people who weren't in the know to think that Bill Watts was behind UWF. Oh, okay. Madness. Wow. Why did they mention that in Dark Side of the Ring? Yeah, man, dude, I had a you know, I you know, listen, Vice. I put your logo up there in the corner, so I don't have to go do my own research. Okay, <laughs> I I don't like having to go do my own research. Put it in a damn episode, but I, I don't mind doing my own research. I enjoy it. Okay, it is what it is. I don't know. I just I I think that like when you talk about key information, that sounds like something that would be key information, right? Because they had just talked about the UWF last season. Yeah, did a whole episode about it. So if you hear it on this episode, I mean, this is what happened to me. I, I heard they were in the UWF. I was like, the fucking UWF? No. I was like, that, that wasn't around in 86. And then I then I went and, and looked it up because I had to know. Yeah. Um, wow. So they split up because Jim Helwig's a fucking child. <laughs> and he basically wants Sting to, I guess, go on strike with him. And Sting's like, nah, fam, like, I'm good. And he's like, I'm going back to work. And Jim Helwig saw it as this massive betrayal. I mean, this dude really needed to be in therapy. And he goes off to world-class championship wrestling on his own and becomes the Dingo Warrior. Yeah, um, if, if I could real quick before we go on, um, I want to talk about Sting and Warrior because – um jr said that because you know jr was in the uwf in the bill watts territory when the blade runners were there correct so he would he said that like um he said that you know no one liked the warrior in the uwf right but they loved sting everyone was like he has a great attitude. He's easy to work with. We can work with him. They I mean, that, that's absolutely the right evaluation. I mean, yeah. that is the right conclusion to arrive at. Yeah. They they were they were willing to let Sting in and show him everything and they were not willing to do that for Warrior. Sting is better right now than Ultimate Warrior ever was in his life. Absolutely. Right this second. He's probably yeah. asleep. And he's he better than right that. now. He proved that on the on the last pay-per-view. I, I will be honest. I have never seen anyone Sting's age perform like that. Yeah. He still got it. Like I it, I mean, look at his years at TNA. Yeah. I mean, the only person who's ever come close really is Undertaker. Or 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 I guess Flair. But, but I, I, Flair I, I, Flair doesn't do in Flair's final years, he was not doing any of that shit that Sting was doing on AEW. You know, Sting in his in, in like that TNA run, a lot of people forget this. Like, if anyone wants to say that he phoned anything in or didn't give like a hundred percent, I'm like, I watched him in a match with Abyss, and Abyss did not take the 
the thumbtack bump. Sting did. Yeah. Yeah, Sting killed it in every... Dude, I mean, he killed it in WCW. Yes. He killed it in Impact. And I mean, uh, you know, it's we've said this a million times, and it's off topic here, but, but WWE squandered the opportunity... They could have got another three or four years out of him at yeah. at, the, at the top level. Yes, thank a you, star. Yes, um, yeah. Fuck you, Seth Rollins. Uh, <laughs> they should have, you know, done the obvious match. But I gotta say this: you have to admit those Blade Runner videos when they were showing them walking in all hulked up and everything. That was some of the funniest shit <laughs> ever. <laughs> I loved the the Freedom Fighter video that they did (laughs) so bad. (laughs) It's so, like, it's like WCW 2000. It's so bad. It's so good. Yeah, I was like, did Vince Russo write these (laughs) sketches? Like, I know. It was goodness. But now he's in world-class championship wrestling as, you know what's so funny? That Dingo Warrior, like, while it might, I guess, sound somewhat intimidating, it definitely doesn't mean that. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man. Like, <laughs> the the fact that anyone took this shit seriously should have been red flags to everybody. <laughs> I don't know why someone called him the Dingo Warrior. I mean, they, I mean, they explained it, and I was still like. That's not an explanation. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I was like, nah, fan, that, that that's not that is not cutting it for me. And then I mean, maybe in nineteen eighty six the culture was just different. But I I feel like Dingo Warrior sounded silly as shit thirty years ago too. Yeah. I I, I agree. That's probably why you didn't last so long in world class championship wrestling. Cause I'll be honest, I forgot he even went there. Right. Like I, because when I think of world class championship wrestling, I think of only like a couple of things: the Von Erichs versus the Freebirds, the probably the main one. The Von Erichs in general, um, Gino Hernandez, and um, the times that Ric Flair would go there and have like some of the best matches ever because he would work with like Terry Gordy. Um, he would work with uh, Jimmy Jam or Jimmy Garvin, I guess, before Jimmy Garvin even came to NWA and stuff like that. Just, dude, World Class Championship Wrestling has some good stuff. I was watching some of their uh, some of their program before, like the network, you know, started moving to Peacock and stuff like that, and now is officially gone. So now it's all on Peacock. Well, getting on Peacock, I guess, and. When it gets back up there, I'm going to start watching some of that. I especially want to see where the Dingo Warrior was because I want to see if his matches were as terrible there. as They, they probably were. <laughs> so when he goes to the WWF, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. Right. Jim Cornette says it the best that, way that anybody has said it. <laughs> he says he was had no talent, no charisma, couldn't talk, but he looked like a billion dollars. And the most successful wrestling promoter in the history of the world pushed him to the moon. And that's what happened. They they had every single guy in the WWF lay down for this guy. Yeah. All of them. Even yeah. Hogan. 
I mean, he beat, he eventually went on to beat Hogan clean, and this yeah. does not happen. It, it's yeah. like looking at it now, like no one, no one cares today, right? Because that's just the culture that we've facilitated. So, like, you know, it, it just doesn't happen, right? It, like today, we don't, we don't think like like if Cody Rhodes had been undefeated thus far in AW. We don't. No one thinks about that. No one cares. It, it's not something we consider. And then if someone pins Cody Rhodes, we don't then go, well, he got pinned by this guy, so anybody can beat him. Or he's not – I don't like him anymore because he got beat by that guy. But in the 80s, it was a different, it was a different mentality. It yeah. was a different culture. People looked at wrestling differently. A lot of people – still did not know that it was a work they you know a lot of people really believed what they were seeing in their in front of them yeah uh, that was before the business was exposed like it is today so the fact that you didn't pin hogan clean and no one could was a a huge part of hulk hogan's success yeah but he did it and i'll be honest man like, I know people talk, you know, say that he had bad matches. Obviously, he did and whatnot. But I got to admit, dude, that moment, that match, that that atmosphere, amazing. It's, 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 it's an amazing moment. Like, it's an amazing WrestleMania moment. It really is. And, and the match is not bad. No, no. I, I that, That's what I'm saying. Like, that match is actually, like, pretty good um hulk hogan carried him all through that match and that's such a crazy thing that like maybe for the first time in the united states hogan had to go man i really gotta sit down and ha and and like go to work for this guy and hogan went to work and that's one of the few times i can ever say that he worked his ass off in that match. I was about to say, I'm, I'm glad you said in the United States because when he did New Japan... Some of his Japan shit is like, that's not the same guy. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like you're just like, wait, what? That's Hogan? Hogan knew how to work. You he, don't become that successful and not know how to work. It's just he knew that he didn't... In the WWE... That's not what McMahon wanted. He right. did not care if you could have a so-called five. Because I think when people think of five-star matches, they immediately think, okay, these are a bunch of moves in these matches that people just say that it's a five-star match because there are a bunch of moves. No, like a five-star match is supposed to just happen. Right. You know? Uh, if we look at Bret Hart and Stone Cold, if you go and you look at that match, how many moves did they really do in that match? Probably 20 between the two, the two of them total. I guess so, but... I, I, I mean, that's a low number, and I'm, I'm, I'm including yeah. everything. I'm, I'm, I'm saying like an arm bar, you yeah. know, like, like not very many. Exactly. And, and I mean, you look at what a lot of people consider the greatest match of all time. Uh, look at uh, Rock and Hogan from 18. They didn't do anything. But the crowd, they worked the crowd. And that's what working is. When you talk about somebody's ability to work, 
you know, a lot of people confuse the terms work rate with your ability to work. Your work rate is how many, you know, how often you're putting on these incredible matches, what you can do in the ring, that sort of thing. But the ability to work is the ability to encapsulate the audience. Yes. It's, it's your ability to captivate them. It's your ability to uh, tell a story to them that they can both get behind, that they can invest in, and that they can believe. And, and people can say what they want to about Hogan, but he was one of the best at doing that. I agree. I mean, in this era, yes. In, in this era, you know, it, and well, here's the thing. That NWO thing didn't get as hot as it did without Hogan. No, but it was it, it it was not his matches that did it for him. No, it was, no, it was obviously just the NWO and his just whole persona change and stuff like that. Yeah, and I mean, I am not a fan of Hulk Hogan the person. I don't. I'm not a fan of Terry Belia at all. But Hollywood Hogan is the shit to me. Okay. Like, it's such a good, I mean, it's such a good gimmick. Because yeah. I, I think at, at this point in time, a lot of people had started realizing, like, you know, this is when people started to appreciate the in-ring product more. You brought, you, I mean, you, you shit, you had the Luchadors and, and, and Chris Jericho and shit in the early, you know, the lower card in WCW. So what? you're watching, you're watching Eddie, huh? Uh, ECW in ways was somewhat what people liked that, that there was more of a focus on the in ring product, even though it was more violent. Right. But, but so few people watched it. Yeah, exactly. But, but in WCW, it's like, it, it was on the same card. Like you'd have Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko. Yeah. And then you'd have, you know, Hogan and fucking Nash or whatever later on. <laughs> You know, and it was like you could you, you're watching this film, you're, you're on two eyes, and you're like, "Well, these guys can't do that stuff." But it was it was the character of Hollywood Hogan and his ability to storytell. Oh yeah, so good. I mean, all right, he, I'm I'm done praising Hogan. But well, this, he, he's always been good at that. But you know, definitely around his time, he was good at that. And around his time when the Ultimate Warrior came in, he kind of. I don't know if he necessarily resembled Hogan or whatnot, but, you know, immediately when the Ultimate Warrior came in, the crowd gravitated towards him. Right. You know, they, they, they really did, even though he couldn't tell a story worth shit. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I, I'll say this. One of the... <laughs> One of the dumbest fucking promos I've ever seen was the Papa Shango program that he did. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Well, well, so here's the thing, though, is what, what you have to realize, too, is, you know, there were so many people that wanted to, to be the next Hulk Hogan, right? I mean, and so, because a lot of people don't realize that, that going into... WrestleMania one, Hogan is kind of on the ascent, right? And then he slams Andre, and you know after that, and then from there it's kind of like he's in, you know, he's at the top of his prime during that time. And yeah. so by the time we get to Mania six, Hogan has been all over the place for this. Whole, I mean, he has been the top guy for way longer than you see anybody being the top guy today. 
Yeah, and he was uh, going to do movies. After. Right. Dude, WrestleMania 1 to WrestleMania 6 is like Austin's whole WWF run. If you don't count the time he was out. You know? You mean Hogan? No, I'm talking about Austin. I'm saying it's the same amount of time. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, it's like Austin's entire run Yeah, in that amount of time. And Hogan was there before that and after that. You know, so Hogan was just on top for the, such a long time. Yes. Um, you know, so Warrior comes in, and Vince is immediately like, well, this is the next guy, and he's putting him over on everybody, even Hogan, you know, because in, in Vince's mind, this is the next guy. This is the next guy. And so you have all this up-and-coming talent that's been sitting there waiting their turn, like Jake Roberts, and it's like, Oh shit! Well, okay. Um, well, I guess if I want to be the WWF champion, I gotta look like this guy. And f- three years later, Vince McMahon is tied up in the steroid trial. It's yeah. not a coincidence, folks. When Warrior came in, you, look at when Warrior came in, and then fast forward two years, and look at the size and the the muscle mass of the guys in the WWF around that time. Because that you basically Vince McMahon basically was saying to them in so many words by pushing Warrior like this, this is what you got to look like to be on top of this company. Yeah, yeah, you got to look. You, you got to have that million dollar body, which Jake never had. And uh, Jake talks about the story about how you know he was going to be in line for a big push if the Ultimate Warrior wanted to work with him. Or something yeah. like that. Which I just thought was the most asinine thing. I was like, are you fucking for real? Like, if I was running a company like Vince McMahon does, I would be like, look, you don't have a choice. You either do this or I just take you off. Right. And and Vince, you know, Vince enabled this shit. You, you talk about all the other places he ever went. He couldn't work there either. And nobody liked him there either. But here you got Vince backing him and allowing and enabling this behavior. Yeah. Because Vince doesn't give a shit. No, as long as he makes money. Right. Vince was coddling him, basically. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I mean, the two are very similar, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, Just in the way that they deal with things. The difference is that Vince has power and respect. And Warrior didn't have either one of those things. At the, you know, should we say though, at the time? Mm, uh, yeah, I think like by the time that we get to towards the end, we'll really hit this home. But I felt like that's even what Dark Side of the Ring was kind of saying. They're like, yes, he was this at this time, but he tried to make up for it. Yeah. Anyways, not not everything, but you know, f- f- a lot of things, which we'll get into. Yeah. Yeah, fuck him and Dana Warrior, but we'll get there. Uh so all right, so he, you know, he's there at uh he's in WWF for WrestleMania 7. Um you know, he de- he makes all these demands. He wants $550,000 to do WrestleMania 7. 
He wants a higher royalty rate, and he wants a guarantee that no other WWF performer will be paid more than him on any pay-per-view. Um, Vince basically said, and this is how Vince ends his letter to Warrior. He says, I would like to express my deepest appreciation and admiration for you as a performer and as a member of the WWF family, as a man, and as my friend. Immediately after, Vince fires him. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I know. Um, that sounds like what Vince McMahon would do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Which, here's the thing. In this instance, Vince is in the right. Yeah. Because I would do the same thing. I would be like, oh, so you want all of this? Which is why, when going into WrestleMania 7, instead of being on top in the main event, he fought the Macho Man. Which yeah. is not a bad thing, to be in the ring with Randy. Right. But that's why the title was taken off of him, and Hogan was, uh, you know, back in the title uh, picture. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Warrior's initial run was by far his best, even though he was still awful. Like, once he came back in 92, it's like he was still trying to be this, you know, 1988-1989 character in yeah. 1992. And they were done with his shit. And do then... You, do you mean more like when uh, around 90... Five? No, when he returns okay. in nine, when he returned in ninety six, so so he left after the SummerSlam thing. Right, they brought him back in ninety two, and then he left again. Oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they brought him back in ninety six. So what I'm saying is he 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 was at his peak in like when he came into WWF and and WrestleMania six. By ninety two, when he came back after the hiatus after they fired him, he was still over, but he wasn't nearly where he was at. Right. Um, I, I do have to give him credit, though, for two more matches in WWE around those times. All right. I got to give him credit for the program with Rick Rude. Because let's I, I, I like Rick Rude. Rick Rude was awesome. Yeah. Um, and so he and he had a pretty good feud with the Warrior. Um and I also, I'm not going to lie, I really like this from Warrior. I really liked SummerSlam 1992, where it was him versus Randy Savage for the world title. But the storyline going into it, which I thought was brilliant, was who was uh, whose corner is Mr. Perfect going to be in? Is he going to be in the corner of the Macho Man or is he going to be uh, in the corner of the Ultimate Warrior? Or what is going on? Is it all a setup? And it was all a setup. They, you know, Ric Flair basically came out and interfered and stuff. I was just like, and the matchup was really good. But then again, you probably have to give most of the credit Savage on that one. But I still thought this was really good, and I thought it was a really good pay-per-view overall. Um, but I do have to give him credit for that. But that would be about the only time, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fair. Um, 
<laughs> so going forward, he comes back in '96. Yeah. Um, he's not really over that match he had with Triple H at WrestleMania 12. Oh God, is terrible. Um, you know they. I mean, obviously, like that was also kind of along the lines of his punishment for the curtain call. But, oh, I mean, watching him no sell that pedigree uh, hurts my soul every time. Yeah, I couldn't believe he did that. Like, I'm just like, what? Like, oh, just awful. And and listening to uh, listening to. Uh, uh, Jim Ross talk about their meeting that they had with Warrior. Oh my God! I mean, where he just rambles on about all this stuff he wants to do with the cartoons. That's and True City. That's True City, and just all this nonsense. I mean, Jim Ross is like, I'll n- I would never get that that time back in my life. <laughs> I know. I I love Jr. When he said that. Um, Here's my question, though, that, that we really haven't talked about to you, I guess, now. What did you think of his first wife? I actually thought she was great. Right. Like, um, I, I thought she was, too. She filled in a lot of blanks. Yeah, and I mean, she talks about his, like, more human side. Uh-huh. But, I'm, but I'm like, you know, here's the thing is... Uh, you know, he didn't, it doesn't matter if he had this like sensitive side, if he went to work and was a complete asshole all the time, I I was going to bring this up later. Uh, but here's a good time to talk about it since we're just talking about like the person. I really think that he was a closet homosexual. Um, I really believe that because if you look at later on in life, when he went into, uh, his, conservative crazy madness rush limbaugh listening self he spoke he spoke out against gay people a lot and for somebody who was so obsessed with like bodybuilding and so like just wanted everyone to know that like the the existence of gay people really offended him i think i think that he honestly like this along with the way he acted where it's like he put on this tough guy asshole persona around all the other guys at work. I, I mean, obviously we don't have any more of this to go on, but it screams to me that he may have been one of these people that was like, you know, brought up that like being gay is wrong, but like had some of those feelings himself and like hated himself for it. And I and a lot of times those people that do that shit try to make it like super evident to everyone that they like can't stand gay people. This is a very common thing. And I think that that is an aspect of his character. Obviously I don't have any more to go on than that, but that's my take on it. That's wow. I, I, I mean, I never put that together exactly. If I'm honest, Um, you know, I just, I just kind of thought his views were a little too uh, conservative. Can I tell you a funny story, though, about that? Of course. One of the last things I saw Ultimate Warrior in, obviously, besides the Hall of Fame and stuff. All right. So, you know the band Asking Alexandria, right? Yes. Okay. So, 
I don't know what the fuck this was. And I'm sure I could find it and send it to you. Um, and and we could even show it here on YouTube or something like that. But it's a video. And I think that Sumerian Records was looking to start like a series of this. But so Asia Alexandria at the time was doing a bunch of drugs, being rock stars basically, but just doing it a little bit too much to where like they could be on, you know, the road to death or something like that. So they had them do this sort of workout and guess who it was with? Jim Helwig. The warrior. Yeah. Warrior, warrior. Yeah. Like not, I mean, Jim Helwig. Okay. But he wasn't Jim Helwig in this. He was warrior. Warrior, warrior. And so he asked them about like, what, well, what, what do you guys think about metal? You know, I heard you play metal and stuff like that. And they were like, it's just another form of rock and roll. And they're drinking wine and stuff like that. And then uh, he was like, all right, well, here, go get go get set up. Then we'll get started. And then so he gets him in the line and he just goes, he goes, I just saw you drinking wine and smoking cigarettes. That's fucking disrespectful. <laughs> And he puts them through this ridiculous, like just this, uh, you know, workout that's like a boot camp style workout. I guess at a gym, I don't know if he owns this gym or what gym it was, but it was just like a closed off gym for them. And he did this with asking Alexandria and I see stars. <laughs> I have no, like, they only got two episodes out of it. They never did anything else after it. But I, I watched these and I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Dude, he was off the chain. We, <laughs> we, 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 will, we will get into that. Um, so, uh, we'll just talk about his... I don't, I don't even know if we need to talk about his WCW run. What? <laughs> uh, it was bad. I mean, some of these, all this hokey shit that they did were like, he, ha he like con converted the disciple and then he had like the, <laughs> the mysterious magic smoke that could knock out all the NWO members, but didn't work on Hulk Hogan. And I mean, Oh, Oh God. Uh, um, I, so I remember this and then Eric Bischoff, talked about this on his podcast he said that uh look warrior on his debut was supposed to just come in and do like an eight minute promo or something like that and he ended up going almost 45 minutes yep bischoff said i will never trust he, he said i could never trust him with an unscripted promo ever after that oh yeah yeah i mean it was i mean insane dude and actually the uh when they tried to do some of that hokey shit at fall brawl 1998 which is one of the worst war games matches i've ever seen in my life um there is a moment where the ultimate warrior you know springs up through the uh floor well not the floor the the ring 
he comes through the ring and the smoke is filling up, which actually when the smoke fills up, you want to know what the funniest thing is. They're like, the ring is filling up with smoke. And here's Bobby Heaton. And Bobby Heaton just goes. (laughs) 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 And so Warrior comes through and there's a trap door in the ring, right? Which Davy Boy Smith almost broke his fucking neck on no he he broke his back he did break his back okay. he broke his no he he broke his back on that uh on the trap door that was what fall brawl 98 yep yeah i still just say the the funniest part though is just hearing he to go <laughs> well let's not forget the um halloween havoc match with hogan that oh. was it, it, the the opposite of the WrestleMania six match. I yeah. mean, it's considered one of the worst wrestling matches of all time. Yeah. Uh, Hogan tries to do like the fire paper or whatever, and he like can't get it lit, and then it like fucking he, he like it. Uh, oh my god, man! One of the worst matches ever. I mean, yeah. oof. It yeah. was it was awful. It was terrible. And it's also on one of the worst pay-per-views of all time. Yeah. Well, and and the pay-per-view for that, other than a couple of matches, the pay-per-view is terrible. Well, yeah. It has one of WCW's best matches, though, of all time. Which Unfo- is- Unfortunately, no one got to see it on the live exactly. broadcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that, of course, would be Goldberg and, and DDP. Yes. So, uh, and that is one of the best matches in WCW history. I love that. That, match. That, that we say that with Goldberg in the title. I know, man. Well, they, they just work so well together. You know, they did. Goldberg has had some bangers. I mean, it, he's not great. I mean, he's had he's had way more good matches than fucking Jim Helwig has had. But, uh, but you know, is what it is. Okay, so now he's gone from WCW. Let's go into the fucking kooky bullshit that he got into between 98 and when he came back for the Hall of Fame like 20 years later. (laughs) Okay, so I have some quotes here that I prepared. Oh, boy. That I would like to read from the esteemed Jim Helwig. Um, So... Um, this is Jim Helwig. Uh, what I'm about to say here is a, is a quote from Jim Helwig regarding Martin Luther King. It is not ours. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do not believe in anything I'm about to say. And, uh, they, these are the, these are the views of the ultimate warrior, uh, warrior, warrior slash Jim Helwig and not James Caleb Kitchens, Caleb Stovall or an involved review. Warrior says, Martin marched a few times from Selma, Alabama to Montgomery. It's only about 40 miles, and he walked along paved roads, security escorts, and modern comforts and conveniences. He wrote a few jailhouse letters, plagiarized many great speeches, and played up his last name, King, as if he was one. He led his best rally amid the monuments of Washington, D.C. He preached proper righteous behavior, while he at the same time committed adultery many publicly verifiable times, uh, he had a dream to see one race of people freed completely from a discriminant oppression. Folks, 
I don't know if there's anything I can say about Jim Helwig that will make it any worse than that. Um, although I have some more. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, this is uh, this is part of his speech about queer studies at the Conservative Alliance. Uh, he says one guy without his husband, and once again, this is a, a Jim Helwig quote. He says one guy without his husband and two physically repulsive butch dykes slurping on one another's tongues on the front row had a real hard time cozying up to my principled heterosexual obstinacy. Oh my Lord God. Uh, he goes on. Uh, this is a quote from him about the death of Heath Ledger. Uh, he what? says... He says, uh, by today's standard, I do have to agree that he was a great father, perhaps even greater than the father of the year, Hulk Hogan. He's, of course, being sarcastic here. He says, after all, Heath Ledger did what it took to kill himself. His kid is now without a, a father, but the negative influence is now removed, and his child has a chance for a full recovery. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah, so this is why... And this is, folks, this is just a hand, uh, a couple of cherry-picked quotes. Like, you can go online and find hours of this kind of shit, right? I mean hours. So, like, when I say that Jim Helwig is a piece of shit, like, I, I, even the dark side of the ring piece went easy on him. And Jim and, and Cornette uh, said the same thing too. It's like even Dark Side of the Ring. I mean, I I think that with Dark Side of the Ring, I think they went easy on him because they didn't know like either, they didn't know how far the A and E thing was going to go, and there was a certain amount of like blowback, I guess, that they didn't really want to get. But shit, I wish they had played hardball, man. I wish they had gone in on all this shit. Well, because... I, also, I also think that they are not necessarily trying to tell you to hate him or love him. They're just right. like, well, these, but are these, the... these are just the quotes, man. You know, <laughs> these are just the quotes. And this is all shit that he said. I, I mean, he, I don't even, I can't even, I, I'm not even going to read what he said about Bobby Heenan. Like that you can look that up. Feel free to Google that on your own. Like that stuff is rough. Um, I think I I, I I think he was a huge pile of shit. I uh, I just I think that he does not deserve to be remembered. I don't think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I I don't think he deserves to be remembered at, in in a positive way. And let me let me say something else about the A and E biography and why it's bullshit. His wife, Dan, the second wife, Dana Warrior. Um in the A&E biography makes it seem like that, oh, well, we got married and then Jim started listening to all this weird conservative radio talk, blah, blah, blah. That's not what fucking happened. She was into all that stuff when they got together and she was the influence on him that drug him into that. But now, because that's not popular... She doesn't want to admit that, and they they completely whitewashed it on the biography episode. Yeah, with uh, the A and E biography, let me sum that up in um, a quote from Shane McMahon. Jesus Christ! Bullshit! This was 
Um, yeah, he came over for spaghetti one night, and uh, you know he didn't do the dishes, but I'm sure if I'm sure if we had let him, or he he would have offered, and I was just like, what? That's just such the such a ridiculous concept. Here's my question. Out of all the people that are in that one, there's one name in there that I went that I saw and just went, What? What is he doing here? What is Mr. Bro doing there? <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. And it's, he doesn't just pop up once, he pops up multiple times. And I'm like, what in the fuck is Vince Russo doing? I mean, it, it was this episode not bad enough? He didn't even, like, have any dealings with Warrior. Yeah. I, I will say that, that this was the worst A&E biography episode. It was the hardest to get through, and it was full of the most shit. I mean, it was, and I'm so sick of these podcasters and... uh radio host yeah they have these guys come on that are like 28 or 35 or whatever talking about shit that happened in like 1985 like they were there yeah and that shit drives me fucking insane it does just get get bischoff to come on here and talk about it get get Cornette to come on here and talk about it i will even take bruce pritchard because at least he was there yeah, I'll take Bruce Pritchard's warped ass version of the events because he was really there. <laughs> but these, but, but fucking Sam Roberts and Paul Rosenberg and yeah, where just, the fuck, where the fuck is Scott Norton at? Can we get Scott Norton? <laughs> who is this? Um, oh my god, that'd be tremendous. Like, who is that guy that supposedly is a is a journalist on there? Uh, is it Rosenberg something? No, it's not Rosenberg. It is somebody else on there, but he is bald. Yeah, but he's like a warrior expert. That's the guy you're talking about where it's like, this guy's like a warrior, like, expert. Like he's been on like others. Okay. Okay. I think I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly. I'm not sure, man. I, I, when, when I, when those guys come on, I'm usually checking my phone and shit. Yeah. I'm like, these guys know less than I do. I don't want to hear I don't want to hear this shit. Yeah. (laughs) Like I, I, like I, I've been wrestling, watching wrestling my entire life. I'm just, even if I didn't work in the wrestling business, I would be just as qualified as these guys. I'm way more qualified than these fucking guys. And I don't want to hear about anything they have to say. I'm way more qualified. You are. Yeah. I agree. So, uh, let me talk about one other thing, and I, I, I you know, we're running long, but I, I really got to talk about this because this is the th- really the thing I hate about Dana Warrior. The Warrior Award. I've talked about this on on air before. The Warrior Award is the biggest crock of shit because even in all, even out of all the shit that Jim Helwig did that I dislike and disagree with. When he proposed the Warrior Award, it was supposed to go to a WWE employee that's not on screen. So like a, a, a sound guy or a lights guy or I, I don't I don't know, maybe even a referee or you know, something like that. Some a producer, an agent. Somebody yes, yeah, somebody that makes the machine run that doesn't get credit for it. Yes. And and they're like, Well, that's not worth the shit. We can't turn that into a PR fan fest. 
So they changed it. So now they give it to like a special needs kid or like a cancer survivor or somebody that fucking does shit with like children's hospitals or, you know, just whatever. And I, and it makes me fucking sick. I mean, don't get me wrong. Those people deserve to be recognized, make up something else for them. But the fact that like Dana warrior is involved in it and all that stuff. I mean, Oh my God. Like, I, I could not stand her at all during any of this shit. And that's really before I knew about some of the stuff that he had gone on to say and do while he was away from wrestling. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And another thing that bothers me about Dana Warrior, what the fuck does she know about booking or writing a wrestling show? Nothing. What is Why is she on creative? I mean... Is that why a lot of this shit has been terrible? I mean, a lot of this shit's been terrible because Vincent Mann has lost it, and the people that are writing are TV writers and not wrestling writers. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree, and and we could go on for days about that. But we I mean, could. I agree. Um, I didn't like her. I, I haven't liked her either. But I didn't have a problem with uh, his two daughters. No, they were fine. I mean, I mean, they're probably like warped because that you know this dude was their dad. But like, you know, uh, I a lot of the people that pretty much everybody that came on Dark Side of the Ring was great. Uh, and then you know, like his daughters were okay on the A and E thing. Not really anybody else. Uh, I well, felt like that was an attempt though to make him seem like. A genuine nice guy. Yeah, but Bi- biography. You, you remember the Shawn Michaels DVD that they did forever ago, where they didn't talk about any of the bad stuff from his past or whatever. I th- I have it on my shelf over there, um, the Boyhood Dream or whatever they called it. Yeah, um, that's what this felt like. But for Ultimate Warrior, they they yeah. talked about him quitting that one time, and that's it. That's like the only negative thing they really had to say about him. And then they're not going to even mention uh, that they trashed him in the DVD. Yeah, and they made it out like they were apologizing for that shit. They talked about that, the the hit piece coming out and like how negatively it affected him and everything. I'm like, but there wasn't, it was all true. It was all true. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it was in, in a lot of ways. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I just, I really didn't like the A and E one. I'll be honest. I didn't make it through it all the way. <laughs> I just didn't. I, I, I couldn't. Um, the dark side of the ring was very good, but what I did like, which is why, like, you know, we're talking uh, a lot about him and, and we're bashing him in a lot of ways. Let's just be honest. Even the dark side of the ring at the end tried to say that like, Hey, he was trying to, you know, make up for, you know, a lot of the things that he had done and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he might not have gotten the full closure and stuff like that before he died. But, um, they, they, they all kind of mentioned that like he was trying. Um, and I think that like in ways like even today, that's a problem that society still hasn't figured out how to deal with, which is 
we're so quick to say, yes, this, this person was this, like this person was an asshole. This person was a terrible human being and stuff like that. But we don't ever give that person a chance to change. Right. That's fair. And I think in Warrior's case, while yes, he said a lot of bad things. He did a lot of bad things. But it sounds like near the end, he was generally trying to make up for that. Yeah, agreed. Well, and, and it, it comes down to, you know, how do we look at his legacy, right? He he spent four decades nearly being a massive asshole. Yeah. And then as far as we know, in the last couple of years, he was remorseful and tried to make amends. Yeah. Did he do that for his own legacy? We don't we don't know. We don't I mean none of us were there. We don't know the guy well enough to make that call. Well, could fatherhood have changed him a little bit? Like I mean when, you know, cuz I have no doubt he was a great father. Maybe, but I mean, listen to those quotes that I was reading, dude. Those are from like I mean, <laughs> was was that when his daughters were born? Uh yeah, like I mean, so so the Heath Ledger thing, I mean, Heath Ledger died, what, in, let's see, Heath Ledger died in 2008. His daughters were alive. Okay. So how much of that shit did he, like, try to instill in them and hopefully failed at? Well, that's, that's one thing, but, you know, he did show them love and everything. Yeah, that's true. like, 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 he wasn't abusive. Or anything like that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, you know, he wins, like, the Better Than Grizzly Smith Award, I guess. If well, we're that's right. very true. Anybody yeah. wins that one. Yeah. That's a low fucking bar, my friend. That's, but, that's very But I'll give it to him, you know. Well, um, okay. But, you know, like, I, I just think that, you know, um, we, we, we also, like, and I, I think that even Dark Side of the Ring did a great job of saying that, like, yes, he did all these things. But even his first wife said that, like, no, he apologized to me. He apologized for cheating on me and stuff like that. He apologized, you know, for all the hurt. She got married to someone else. They still remain friends and they didn't see each other or anything like that. But, um, you know, they, they went their separate ways. Yeah. And, very and, true. and I'm glad that, you know, she has closure at least from that. Right. Uh, it seems like she didn't seem like she was, you know, com- she didn't seem like she was Melanie Pillman. Oh, Jesus Christ. Basically. She, that's basically what I got, was she was not Melody Pillman, who was literally twitching on air. Melody Pillman is, like, the only person, like, so, like, if Grizzly Smith didn't exist, she would be the worst, char- like, the worst villain on Dark Side of the Ring. <laughs> but, like, Grizzly Smith exists. Or, yeah. you, or used to, so pretty much well man we i think we've pretty much dug as far into this one as we're going to you got anything else to say about this before we wrap it up uh you know it's interesting because i waited because uh dana warrior uh posted on twitter you know she was talking she was hyping obviously the um the ultimate warrior biography and saying that like you know fatherhood can change a man or blah 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 you know all this 
And someone asked them if she had seen the dark side of the ring episode. And she said, no, I will not watch that smut and filth do not deserve my time or something like that. And I was like, I want to know what, I want to know what the producers think about this. Will Conrad ask them about this on the podcast? And um, so the episode for or the, the uh, podcast episode took a while. It took until the Sunday uh, uh, after it aired. And it was because apparently it was a very intense week for those guys. Um, they were worried about the ratings. They were worried about how uh, it was going to come across. Um, just a lot of things were going through their minds. And, and uh, you know, they did address that tweet. And they were like, you know, well, I guess she hasn't seen it or anything like that. And, you know, we understand, I guess, why she would say that. But, you know, they think about all of the times that they did Dark Side of the Ring and it actually helped people. Like, like they thought about uh, Martha Hart, Owen Hart's wife. They thought about, um, you know, the people in the Grizzly Smith episode. They thought about, you know, this and that. Um, so it is really interesting to hear their perspective and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, dude, uh, just this one to me was just really hard to sit through all of this because on one hand, I, you know, I don't even, I don't even know if I care about the person, Jim Helwig. Right. He's not an interesting figure. I mean, he's interesting because his like promos were over the top and ridiculous and because he's a huge piece of shit. But beyond that, I don't, I don't care anything about like his story or anything because what? it's like Jim Cornette said, there was nothing interesting about him. Yeah. He I, wasn't, he wasn't charismatic. He doesn't have, I mean, there's just not, there's nothing interesting about him. No, but he had, but he was, he had the look and he and when he combined the look and they combined that entrance yep that's all he needed that's it that was yeah. it that's the ultimate warrior and then after that nothing i mean bischoff describes it the best i think that you had this real life cartoon character and yep. now you can shake the cartoon character's hand or he can you can get its autograph and in the late 80s, I mean, that was just something that was unbelievable to people. And and, and that is a big deal. Yeah, so. it is. Um, but, you know, he leaves a complicated legacy. But he leaves a legacy nonetheless. Very true. Very which true. is more than a lot of people can say. Yeah, agreed. Well, folks, I think, like I said, I think we've said all we're going to say about this one. Uh, we have some cool stuff upcoming. We are going to talk about the A&E biography on Mick Foley, which is one of the few that I really liked. Yep. Uh, we are going to talk about the Bret Hart one, uh, Dark Side of the Ring. We have uh, we have just one episode left to do, which is Dynamite Kid. Um, that's a great episode. Um, I think, and uh, I he is not committed to this, so uh, uh, don't hold me to this, but I think Dave Foster is going to join us again. Oh, awesome. Uh, for that one. So he will be returning. Uh, he did the New Jack episode with us. May he rest in peace. Um, and, uh, yeah, 
uh, we'll 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 see what happens. Uh, but I don't want to set a timetable for any of this stuff yet because uh, I don't really know. So uh, that's the next three things we have coming out, and then we will have a break from doing all these fucking episodes. Uh, and uh, yeah, then we have some very interesting topics to talk about. Uh, we've we, we've talked about doing the top sins of Vince McMahon. Um, we have talked about uh, we we still have our top non-WrestleMania WWE pay-per-views to do. Yes. Uh, and several others, and I'm sure we're going to go back and look at some, uh, maybe a, some Ring of Honor stuff. We're going to go back and look at some. There's a ton of TNA shit that we want to talk about. Yes. Uh, and, and at some point, I would like to uh, do an episode maybe about some of like the best wrestling podcasts to listen to. Um, oh. Because I think that would be fun. Um, so... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. Yeah, uh, I, and, I'm excited about it. Yeah, I, me too. So, um, anyway, this has been a, a, an interesting episode. Uh, Caleb, thank you for joining me here each and every week. And uh, this has been an Involved Review.